everybody, and welcome back to another episode. My name is Harriet Berholtz, and I'm here with my dad. Randy Berholtz. And we are so excited to have uh, an amazing guest here today, uh, Han Chu, who is an MD and also a businessman who is extremely accomplished. And dad, you've actually known Han, you know, before. Oh, I've known Han. Oh, God, Han. I think we're getting old. I, God, I think I know you probably from like 2002. So I, I know you back, you know, in your, in your, in your VC days and, and everything else. And so Han and I, as you know, you know, you know, an, an MD, you know, venture capitalist uh, and a longtime life science uh, executive uh, here in San Diego. Uh, great background. You know, he, he's somebody who's who's interested in the public health. He has a company right now that is very interested in, in promoting through 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 doctor supervised healthy eating exercise to decrease the you know the the prevalence of type two diabetes in America. And Han and I have talked about a number of projects, both his and mine. And uh, and so Han's going to really talk about though to uh, today we're. We thought it'd be great for our listeners to have, uh, you know, an MD talking about the coronavirus, you know, I mean, COVID nineteen. What does it mean for us? How do we, you know, how do we keep clean? What do we do? You know, how do we, you know, how do we just make sense of the city directives, the county directives, the state, and the federal? Sure. Um, a Stanford trained physician, uh, former pharmaceutical executive, and as Randy points out, I. Um, also, is very active in the uh, venture capital uh, community. Uh, so I know a lot about research, know a lot about business, uh, and I know the medical side from a um, much more complete perspective uh, than just practicing uh, healthcare. Um, I had left mainstream venture capital because I um, became concerned about um, some of the things that um, uh, we were focusing on um, and was finding that... Um, um, there were a lot of opportunities and things that I felt that we should be doing, uh, such as um, addressing obesity and diabetes, uh, that couldn't really effectively be addressed uh, using conventional venture capital type um, uh, programs and, and, uh, and companies. Uh, and that's in part, uh, as Randy, you and I have discussed, that, uh, that many of these solutions uh, and approaches um, don't fit our current financial um, system in the sense that they don't have patent, uh, they don't generally require the same kind of regulatory approval, and so they just don't quite fit, uh, and, yet, uh, and yet they're very powerful, uh, and um, uh, that's how I got into uh, a um, more wellness and health-oriented uh, track. That sounds good. Hey, okay, tell us a bit about your family and, and, and you know, are you from California originally or, or, or the like? Oh, yeah. No, I'm actually from the uh, East Coast originally. I uh, okay. grew up in Maryland, uh, uh, went to uh, Cornell. Uh, my, uh, my wife also um, is from the East Coast. I don't know uh, if I remember you going to Cornell because uh, I went to Cornell too, so uh, undergraduate. I don't know if we forgot about that. That was oh, of, yeah. That was one of uh-huh. our times. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm gonna say what year I graduated, but you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know great place to go to school. Very yeah. cold. <laughs> yeah, cold. Oh man, it was cold. Anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I, um, uh, I then worked in the uh, pharmaceutical industry for several years before I was uh, recruited to join a venture capital firm out here in San Diego, and that's how. Uh, that's how I came um, to be on the on the West Coast. Uh, I had experience being on the West Coast because I'd done my medical training at Stanford and my business training at uh, at Berkeley. Uh, so uh, uh, the only part of California I hadn't been uh, was uh, Southern California, uh, and um, we've had a wonderful experience here. Uh, worked at Ford Ventures, uh, left and started up my own venture capital firm. Uh, and then um, broke off from that to uh, uh, address um, larger healthcare uh, issues and uh, and problems that uh, uh, I felt I should be working on. Oh, very cool, very cool. And, and so, you know, are you concerned about COVID nineteen right now? I, I, I mean, I don't know as a person. I, I mean, are you are you? Uh, are you pretty much uh, self-isolating right now? And 
and doing all this. I mean, you know, how are you feeling overall about it? Because because I know I, Harriet and I will, you know, I haven't seen Harriet in, what was it, almost 10 days now, more than 10 days, two weeks. And, and, you know, we're sort of getting a bit of cabin fever, sort of sitting around and we understand, you know, it's like every day the government is, you know, the various levels of government are telling us more and more, yeah, you could do that yesterday, but you can't really do that today. And so, you know, sort of staying inside and, and as Herod sent, sent me this one picture about, uh, it's almost like we are, uh, you know, in the Hunger Games. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like we're in the Hunger Games when we go out to the store. It's like you know, you have your your bows and arrows and your mask on and your gloves, and you're going to the store. You hope you make it back alive, but uh, that's a little aggressive. But yeah, I know. I know. But, but, but how are you coping though right now? I, I mean, maybe on a personal level, you know. Yeah, um, I'm. You know, I, I think I'm uh, like everyone else. Uh, I, I am pretty much holed up at uh, uh, at, at my residence. Uh, I do go out for uh, some exercise and uh, and occasionally to uh, to get some things. Um, uh, generally, very, very disappointed with uh, uh, our response to um, uh, COVID nineteen. Um, I uh, I think that we could have done a lot of things uh, a lot better. Um, and, uh, and I think it's somewhat heartbreaking to see that, um, nearly 99% of our focus is on avoidance, um, which works best if you scare the shit out of everyone, uh, and, uh, create a panic type situation where everyone feels exactly like what you described, uh, that they, they're out for themselves, uh. Uh, they have to avoid everybody, uh, and uh, um, that's how you convince people to uh, to, uh, to stay at home. Uh, the other one percent of our efforts, um, Randy and Herodot, I believe, uh, are uh, focused a bit on um, somebody else, uh, namely a company or a government, uh, coming up with a solution for our problem, such as a vaccine or or a drug. Um, and, and that essentially means that uh, 100% of our uh, own, uh, you know, our, uh, 100% of what we could do for ourselves, we're, we're not doing. Um, we're focused on avoiding, focused on somebody else. Um, uh, I, I think it creates a sense of um, powerlessness for people. Uh, and, um, and yet we are not powerless. Uh, there are many things that we can be do. We can do, uh, and uh, and yet I don't think um, I don't think we talk enough about uh, about that. Let me ask you: You did you you sent around you know a, I don't say a position paper, but what's sort of your your view on the virus and that? You want would you want to give us some maybe high points for uh, from that that we can Harriet and I can talk talk through some of those? Um, I mean, Harriet, you know. When your suggestions for, um, like what you said, obviously that everything wasn't being, you know, rather than have a position of feeling powerless and kind of move people to feeling more empowered of their health. Um, I looked into your background quite a bit before doing this podcast, and I love your. Kind You've of been investigated. Harry yeah. has been investigated. <laughs> okay. Credit check no, everything. The, you know, we 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 got the whole uh, thing. <laughs> I'm very much into preventative medicine and alternative medicine in addition to, to Western medicine and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's it's nice for people to feel, like you said, um, more empowered and in control. And I actually was thrilled to see after what you, you know, you sent around, my dad showed it to me and I saw, you know, luckily all of the things that I pretty much have been pushing down everybody in my family's throats for the last three months. One thing I'm interested actually to hear your take on too is, because um, you're not mm-hmm. an epidemiologist. Right, just to make sure you're you're more. No, uh, no, I'm not. I think there are people who understand that uh, a lot better than I do. Um, but I do know, um, I do more. I do probably know a bit more than you know, the average lay person, and probably a bit more than the average uh, physician. Uh, I uh, I studied virology when I was at uh, at Cornell. Uh, I did. Uh, uh, work in virology when I was at the um, NIH, and I also did work in virology when I was at uh, uh, at Stanford. Um, so um, I, I know a little bit more about this than uh, than some do, and then also as a venture capitalist, of course, this is an area of uh, of interest. Um, and uh, and I also knew some of the folks at uh, at Gilead, one of the companies, um, and so. Um, I guess what I could say about uh, COVID-19 is it's not entirely anything uh, 
uh, new in the sense that um, coronavirus, is, uh, that family of viruses, probably represents somewhere between 10 to 15 percent of the common cold already. Uh, so uh, we have been exposed. Uh, some of us may already have immunity uh, to this, uh, and uh, it's not entirely um, it's not entirely new. Um, uh, like SARS, uh, this particular version of um, coronavirus uh, is more lethal and more dangerous than the traditional uh, type. Uh, but the numbers why is that, can Han? be. And why is that? Do you, do you think why is it more lethal? Is is it just more contagious or? Or is there something about the, I don't know, the, I don't know if it's a biochemical makeup or how you describe it, but is there something about it that that attacks the vulnerable and just doesn't let up? I mean, so is, is it a vicious bugger here or is it just that it's more contagious? Um, well, uh, from what I, yeah, uh, and I'm not, uh, and I'm not a, um, <clears throat> and I'm not a true expert on, on the topic, but from what I understand, uh, uh, if you take a look at what's called the R naught figure, or the figure that represents how contagious a particular disease is, um, it's somewhere between uh, two and five. Uh, and when you compare that to the average coronavirus and, and influenza virus, you're, you're looking at uh, an R naught value of somewhere on the order of uh, 1.4. Um, so uh, you're looking at something that's at least probably twice as infective. Uh, twice as contagious. Um, the question as to why that would be, um, don't have a, uh, a clear answer for that. Uh, but, uh, but we do know that it is uh, more contagious. Uh, we also know that uh, the typical coronavirus doesn't cause the, um, um, uh, cause a flu. Uh, most of us uh, get a cold. Uh, we don't uh, also get a uh, flu. Uh, my guess, um, Randy, is it probably relates to um, uh, how embedded uh, this particular virus uh, is. Um, it's not the uh, virus itself that ultimately uh, kills individuals, but it's the overwhelming inflammatory response uh, that creates a pneumonia um, and uh, difficulty breathing that ultimately uh, uh, kills the person. So is that why the ventilators? Is that why the ventilators are so important right now? That if somebody is having, you know, you know, lung problems beyond a certain point, they go on a ventilator. And does the ventilator act then as a artificial lungs, or it helps the lungs, or yeah, what we're trying to do is uh, what what we're doing, uh, and and I'm on, uh, is what we would call supportive care, uh, and uh, and what that means is you're trying to buy yourself time. Uh, till your body can get its um, house in order, uh, uh, combat the uh, the virus, and reduce all the uh, uh, excess inflammation. Um, so if you can imagine that you're trying to fight this disease, and so you produce this stuff called mucus. Uh, we we kind of have this very negative connotation of mucus, probably from those Mucinix uh, commercials. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But um, mucus is not your friend. That's what they teach yeah. you. Mucus is not. Yeah, they say mucus is not your friend. But the truth is, mucus is your friend. Uh, the uh, mucus layer actually protects uh, the lining of the lungs and of the uh, nasal cavities. Uh, and if you didn't have that, uh, things, uh, viruses and bacteria would cause instant damage. Uh, so uh, the body produces the mucus, and usually produces it in a quantity that you don't even notice. Uh, so that mucus is going from your nose all the way down your throat uh, into your lungs, and it is protecting uh, all of those tissues. Uh, and while it's being secreted, it's producing um, immune system components, uh, antibodies, inflammatory cells, et cetera, all of which should be fighting the virus. Um, however, when the body gets a signal that... Um, uh, that you're not um, successful fighting this, uh, or if for some reason your immune system is creating mucus that just isn't really up to snuff, uh, the body. Uh -huh. That was a pretty. That was yeah. a pretty good yeah. pun there. I like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you uh, you will. Uh, the body will just uh, tend to want to produce more of it, uh, and it doesn't realize that. Uh, uh, that this is killing you. 
and, and the process. The fluid builds up, it creates a pneumonia, that pneumonia can cause a secondary infection, you can't breathe, uh, you become more acidotic. It's a vicious cycle that tends to occur. So if you can buy people time uh, and support with a ventilator, then you can, uh, um, most people will ultimately uh, successfully battle the, um, uh, the, the virus. Um, and um, so it goes without saying that if you can ultimately battle the virus, why aren't we building those defenses up front? Uh, why are we waiting till we're at death's door to, uh, to do it? Um, and, uh, and there really isn't any reason uh, for that. I, I mean, I can guess. I can, I can guess that it's in part because uh, uh, we're not doing these things because we don't think there is anything that we can do, when in fact we can. Um, it, it may be because we think that none of these things actually will really make any real difference compared to a drug, and in fact, uh, that's not true. Um, so, for example, in a number of diseases, and it sounds like, Harriet, you're familiar with this, uh, many of the natural and other approaches work as well or better in almost every major chronic disease category than a drug uh, or device might work. Um, and so um, uh, that raises the question as to whether we even are thinking about all of this in the, uh, in, in, in the right way. Uh, and, and to lend some color to this, uh, uh, in the last um, 20 years, since we have discovered how to reverse, uh, not just prevent, but reverse conditions such as uh, obesity and diabetes, um, from that time 20 years ago to where we are right now, what was once a rare disease has uh, uh, become the number one driver of all healthcare costs. Um, we have also seen the explosion of heart disease, uh, and yet I can tell you when I talk to folks like Caldwell Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic, uh, using just diet alone and an appropriate, um, uh, appropriate health-oriented uh, intervention, uh, that disease is reversible in, uh, in, in, a, lot of, uh, in a lot of cases, uh, even very serious disease. Um, oh, and uh, uh, and so uh, so we know this. Uh, it, it, it's not a surprise. Uh, and uh, and in fact, even in the area of sleep, um, I have heard discussed the notion that uh, we have these wonderful drugs that can be used, uh, but yet uh, using what's called cognitive behavioral therapy uh, generally works as well or better. Uh, so the um, cognitive behavioral therapy (CBT). Uh, considered to be uh, completely safe, uh, no side effects versus you take these drugs, uh, which do have side effects uh, and do have potential problems, uh, and yet we uh, almost always lean towards uh, giving the um, giving the drug. Um, so something isn't quite right in, in, in that process. Uh, somehow we just don't believe that these things are possible, um, but they are, uh, no, and, uh, and they do work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to say too. Honestly, another aspect of one of the businesses that I actually work with is uh, helping people heal that have been harmed from taking psychiatric medication. Um, pretty much, you know, obviously people deal with kind of severe withdrawal symptoms at times, and it sometimes feels like the cure is a little bit worse than the underlying issue, or a lot worse at, at times. So I, I very much um, respect everything that you have to say with that, and I think it ultimately stems from. And I'm interested to hear your opinion on this, but. I don't want to say a lack of personal accountability in a sense, but I think it's very reassuring for people at times, you know, say people who are experiencing the inability to lose weight and they go to the doctor and they're told, okay, you know, you're obviously maybe pre-diabetic, you're dealing with insulin resistance or you're dealing with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. It's almost like, okay, this isn't my fault. There's a reason I can point to for why I can't lose weight, why I can't, you know, get pregnant or whatever it is. And it, it kind of takes away the personal accountability in a sense of, okay, you can, you can diet, you can change the way that you eat, you can exercise, you can get more sleep, you can reduce stress, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's almost like it takes the onus off of you. And so I'm, I'm curious to see kind of like, what do you, what do you think about that? What do you think is the reason that we feel like we need to hand over our, our health and just kind of be at the, the will of people developing a medication? Um, 
I don't think it was always that way, uh, to be to be honest with you, uh, uh, Harriet and, uh, and and Randy. I I think seventy eighty years ago uh, uh, we did work uh, more collaboratively. Uh, physicians practiced, I think, uh, somewhat differently than they do now, uh, and um, the um, development of uh, of drugs um, uh, is a relatively recent uh, phenomena. Uh, and um, to support that, uh, we had to create uh, a couple other regulatory bodies to uh, to make this happen. Uh, number one, um, uh, nobody really wanted to put a lot of money into this, um, uh, so um, we had to give them protection. Uh, so uh, Randy, having a uh, uh, legal background, understands that uh, this is what we call patent protection. That's not a natural uh, market intervention. Uh, that is a government intervention, uh, and uh, uh, and it gives an unfair advantage to uh, uh, these kinds of uh, these kinds of products. Um, so then, um, um, how do you prove they work? Uh, you had to develop some sort of uh, uh, process by which uh, people could be uh, uh, convinced. But even then, we were clearing things that weren't necessarily safe, and so we had to create yet another regulatory body. Uh, we call that the uh, uh, we call that the FDA, um, and so uh, um, FDA applies for all of these patent-protected drugs. Um, but uh, but guess what? Um, I don't see people taking a vitamin or a uh, a non-patent-protected uh, product, a food or anything else, through the FDA. Uh, it was not really designed for that. Uh, when they call it the uh, Food and Drug Administration, the emphasis really was on that drug side. Uh, and um, and so uh, so you're not really seeing uh, any of these other things being developed. Uh, and so then by the time it gets to people like Randy and me who work in the VC community, uh, you have um, um, you you have the um, uh, patent protected product with a nice regulatory pathway and uh, and what um, I, I should also add uh, substantial government. Uh, uh, grants coming through the NIH to the tune of billions of dollars um, of uh, investment, uh, free money, so to speak. Um, so where are you going to put your money? Uh, you put it in on that side. Uh, and so what, you, what I'm trying to create a picture for you is that this is a, um, this is a beast of our own creation. Uh, we, have, we made it this way uh, because we thought it was in our best interest, uh, but it's not actually worked out quite the way that we uh, that we thought and so there are a lot of things that are currently uh, missing uh, and um, uh, and uh, there's a lot of money behind uh, all these other uh, programs and so uh, it's not just uh, uh, patients not knowing about these but physicians aren't educated uh, on all of these other uh, uh, alternatives and all these other options uh, and um, and so uh, uh, it's um, um, it's it's just a vicious cycle that uh, that is built upon itself, and uh, uh, and so people don't know. I don't I don't think people are being lazy. I don't think they're they're being unfair, and I don't think that physicians are being unreasonable when they don't uh, suggest some of these things. Um, many of them um, haven't been uh, appropriately educated. I think um, I think a comment was made that the average physician receives maybe. Uh, 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 maybe 18 hours of nutrition training and their medical training, and uh, uh, that's uh, that's way too little, uh, and it doesn't really create the breadth of understanding that uh, that would be um, uh, helpful. Um, it's not that they don't have the tools and the understanding and the intellect uh, to uh, to be able to absorb this quickly and to make it useful uh, to uh, to patients. Uh, it's that. Uh, uh, it's that we haven't made the effort uh, to uh, to provide that. Um, and, let me, dr- um, let me mm-hmm. drift us back to COVID nineteen for a bit, just yeah, just because it's the thing on our on our mind. And and Han, let me just take you, you. You know, again, this is for our podcast listeners, and so let me take you through a couple scenarios, and maybe you you can give gig give your advice as an MD. So. Um, uh, right now, yeah, the sniffles, you're at home. You think you may have it. Uh, you know, uh, 
a lot of people are being told now, if you think you have it, do not go to an emergency ward or do not go to a doctor's office. And the reason is you don't want to infect other people. So if you mm-hmm. think if you think you have it right now, I guess what you can do is you you can call uh, you can call your clinic or the like, and they'll normally tell you of either a drive-through uh, testing facility or something like that to to where you you can get tested, and then uh, then a determination can be made at that time. So so step one is you know monitor your symptoms. And then step two, then, is if you do think you have something, the proper place to go is to one of these drive-through testing facilities or something like that. Is that right, Han? Yes, I, I, I believe that, uh, that that is correct. Um, uh, so they, they really don't want to see you in the hospital unless they have a very high index of suspicion uh, and, and you really are struggling. Uh, you're having difficulty breathing, something uh, you, you, you actually need help or it's likely that you think you will need help soon. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah. And, and, and I guess one of the issues that people don't quite understand with this disease is that, uh, there's a pretty large percentage of people, uh, that, um, uh, that have serious, um, illness. Uh, so even if you looked at that figure of a two and a half percent, uh, uh, death rate, um, if you then look at the 10 to 15 percent of the folks who have serious illness, uh, that's a much larger number. I, I suspect um, that that number is larger than um, than what you might see for uh, for your typical flu or your typical uh, SARS, uh, other types of infections. Uh, you you uh, uh, you don't um, you don't see uh, a um, uh, what what it would essentially amounts to uh, a three to eight fold incre- uh, uh, increase in the number of uh, people who are ser- seriously ill, um, and and that I believe is what's overwhelming uh, the healthcare system. Um, uh, death rates will go up if you do not have enough ventilators and you can't uh, protect these people. Um, but normally, if you could, you could keep the death rates down to two sure. uh, to two and a half, perhaps less than that. Um, uh, and uh, but uh, but if you have uh, one in ten people uh, getting serious uh, illness, um, that's a problem. Uh, let's and, go. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to phase three then. So phase three, you you have it, and I guess at that point your doctor will put you under some type of care regime, either at home, maybe treat some of the symptoms. If your symptoms get bad, so what would be a type of symptom to where you would think you'd have to go into a hospital on a ventilator? What do you think, you know, so is that coughing up, you know, sputum or, or, or blood or what's the symptom when, you know, when if somebody's diagnosed, they then know, okay, I now have to go into a facility. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Randy, since I'm not actively treating a lot of oh, these okay. patients, I, I, I uh, uh, I, I just want to give um, your your listeners the perspective that uh, uh, that you may get some different answers from sure. uh, from doctors no, who no, really understand. are more yes. active. Uh, so so I'm I'm just telling you from my experience sure. that it's uh, uh, but but it's certainly not uh, uh, not definitive. Uh, but but I would imagine that uh, uh, the average doctor would focus on uh, uh, on supportive care. Uh, they'd be looking. At uh, whether you were really having trouble uh, breathing, they'd be looking at the uh, uh, number of breaths per minute. Uh, that generally, as you start to have difficulty, you're breathing a lot faster. Your heart rate will go up. Uh, they'd be looking at uh, uh, fever uh, that you've been uh, having, um, and uh, and any sign that uh, that you might not be uh, perfusing uh, well. Uh, and by that, I mean uh, that uh, that you're getting uh, enough oxygen into your body so that your uh, uh, so that the rest of your bodily functions are uh, are working appropriately, uh, and um, uh, if there's any sign that uh, uh, your toes are blue or that you you're not peeing and are you're not able uh, to uh, <clears throat> uh, you you can't catch uh, your breath, I think that that uh, uh, that that those would be uh, those would be potential red flags. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, but what I'd like to suggest uh, to to people 
uh, is that um, well before you reach that point, um, everything that you could be doing to make yourself healthier is likely to help uh, significantly uh, prevent disease. Um, so if you take a look at the number of uh, uh, babies and children um, and that actually get really sick, uh, you'll, you'll find that the number drops dramatically. Uh, now, is it just because they're younger, or do you think it's because there's something inherently stronger about their immune system than that they are actually healthier? Um, I think, by and large, most of us believe that they are healthier. Now, that doesn't mean that even if you're 70 years old, that you can't be healthier. Uh, but uh, but if you're not doing anything, if you came home to be self-isolated and... Uh, and you're drinking up a storm and, uh, and just sitting on the couch and uh, uh, eating uh, all the kinds of foods that you, you need to to get through all the, uh, uh, the terror and the, uh, uh, and, and the negativity that's out there, uh, you're probably not doing yourself a lot of good. Uh, and um, uh, that's not helping. Uh, and, uh, and those are the things that, uh, that, that people need to be... Uh, uh, need to be aware of. Um, okay. So, Han, um, what can people do? I know that you were just, you know, talking, obviously, don't drink the excess, just sit on the couch, take good care of yourself, take preventative measures, all that kind of stuff. Um, stuff that you would put down in sort of your COVID-19 manifesto, if you will, um, giving advice about the ways in which people can naturally support their immune systems. What advice would you give to people just in general? Obviously, being proactive, um, you know, as a way to boost their immune system right now. Is it vitamin D? Is it zinc? What, what can you recommend an MD? Well, as a physician, um, I like to think of it in terms of different verticals of, uh, of thought. Uh, so, uh, so diet uh, would be one uh, vertical, a uh, very important one. And so appropriate vitamins and uh, uh, nutrition uh, would fall into the diet side, as, as you're pointing out. Uh, yes, uh, yes to zinc, uh, yes to vitamin D, uh, yes to vitamin C. Um, most of us are likely to be magnesium deficient, uh, and, um, and and quite honestly, um, uh, even though we'd like to think that we're getting all our nutrition from food, and that the uh, that if you eat well, that you're getting. Uh, the appropriate nutrition. The, the reality is that, uh, uh, according to the USDA, the food no longer provides uh, as much nutrition, even if it's organic, as we thought it did. Uh, and so there's been a fundamental change uh, in, in that. Uh, magnesium, in particular, uh, tends to be almost impossible to get at therapeutic levels uh, just from food. Uh, and I imagine that there are many other nutrients that fall in that category. Uh, so I would recommend that the, uh, that people add to their uh, regime and, and diet uh, some form of multivitamin on top of that, and then you might want to add uh, a little more in some of those areas. Uh, you might want to get some more of that vitamin D. Uh, uh, you want to take more magnesium. Now, what's interesting is that some of these can be tested uh, so that you know if you are in the right range uh, or, or not. Um, and uh, so there is a vitamin D level uh, that you can do. Um, uh, you want to make sure you're not on the low side of normal, that you're at least somewhere in the middle. Um, there are arguments suggesting that the, that if you get it a bit on the higher side, you will do uh, you'll do better. Um, but you have to be careful. The more vitamin D you take, the more magnesium you use, and so you're going to need to make sure you're taking enough magnesium to uh, to, to offset that. Uh, and we don't absorb magnesium very well. Uh, so is this so, for, Han, is this for preventative? And, and, and then, so maybe we, maybe we hit the preventative, and then maybe we, we, we then say, if, you're, if you have the virus now, what can you, what, any vitamins you can take or a, anything you should change about your regime to fight it right now? I, I, I mean, again, you know, you're, you know, we're not giving, you know, we're, we're just, we're talking about your opinion overall, your you're not giving specific medical advice here, but yeah, I think the distinction between what you do before and what you do when you have it kind of depends on uh, uh, on on what it is that you're, you're you're doing. If you've been doing it right all along, you might just take it up a uh, a notch when you uh, uh, when you get sick. So, for example, if you got sick, uh, you might require a bit more vitamin C. Uh, you may be using 
more of your magnesium. Um, and, and people don't understand that, uh, uh, that magnesium is a cofactor in over some 700 enzymatic reactions in the body. Uh, so you're missing that. Uh, you may not think that, uh, that it's affecting you, but, uh, uh, but it affects so many different reactions in the body that it probably is. Uh, and uh, you combine that with many other things that you might be doing that aren't right. And these all add up. Uh, it's, um, it's not like, um, uh, it, it's, it's not like a zinger that you do one thing wrong and you fix that one thing and you can, you can get this all right. Uh, the body is composed of so many millions of biological chemical reactions that, uh, uh with feedback loops and whatnot that, uh, uh, it takes a lot for you to screw things up. And so by the time that you're sick and by the time that you're not uh, not as well, um, you probably messed up a lot of things. Uh, and so if you think a single pill would fix all that, um, you know, I don't think that it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, you're going to have to, you have to go back to, uh, you have to go back to fundamental. Uh, so, uh, so when you think about the fundamental, uh, diet is part of that. Uh, what you do exercise-wise is is important. Uh, if you have no cardiovascular function, uh, you have yeah, you have no reserve with which to fight the uh, the infection. Uh, you have no extra lung capacity uh, when you get a pneumonia. Uh, if you're not sleeping well, uh, you are not going to be able to recover. Um, pe- people really don't seem to understand uh, that because uh, sleep is one of the major. Uh, verticals that if you don't sleep right, uh, you you don't recover. Um, so uh, many people feel that most of the restoration occurs during the deep sleep cycle, which is only anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours, uh, depending on how well you sleep. Uh, but uh, uh, but if you don't get that, uh, you you could sleep you know eight hours and. Um, and it will not be restorative sleep. Uh, a lot of people who uh, drink uh, and some people who uh, take caffeine will notice that they seem to sleep enough, but they don't feel as well. Uh, and that's what's happening. It's not good sleep. Uh, so it's not just sleep. It's got to be good sleep. Uh, stress is another another vertical that we, uh, we often talk about. Uh, if you are stressed, your immune system is not going to work uh, the way that you would like uh, it, it to be. Um, and um, uh, and so uh, you're not going to be able to fight the uh, the infection, and you are going to deplete a lot of your um, uh, a lot of your vitamins. Uh, uh, the very uh, behavior and mental attitude that you have that's another vertical uh, that we often often miss also plays a very important role. Uh, you're sitting at home, and all you're watching are these negative. Uh, uh, stories and uh, scaring the shit out of yourself. And uh, God, it's terrible uh, right now. Yeah. How about you? You are, you are not going to be at your uh-huh. peak. <laughs> um, and 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 people don't seem to understand how critically important that is. Uh, and and I and what I like to tell people is that uh, uh, what you do from a psychological and emotional perspective is so powerful that every single clinical trial has a placebo arm. What do you think that is? Uh, uh, you know, they, um, people have been told that, oh, we well, give you a placebo as if that were nothing, as if it di- doesn't do a damn thing, when in fact, if you didn't have that placebo arm, people just from the power of how they feel and how they think uh, can cause physical phenomena that are more powerful than almost all of the drugs that you're looking at. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to include a placebo arm. Uh, that's how powerful that is. And, and so, yes, it's a critically important component. Uh, and yet, we miss that uh, all, all the time. Uh, oh, and then, of course, there, there, there's a lot of basic uh, medical things uh, that, uh, that many of us are, are hearing about. There's certain uh, supplements and certain products that probably have uh, antiviral uh, capability. Uh, one thing that I've been recommending to a lot of people is that they consider uh, using uh, nasal rinses. Um, it just sort of m- makes obvious sense that if the main reason you are washing your hands and avoiding touching your face is that you don't want COVID-19 to get into your nasal cavity, 
through your eyes or into your nasal cavity or into your lungs, then why don't why aren't we recommending or suggesting that uh, that people also consider rinsing their noses? Um, you wash your hands. Why aren't you washing your nose, so to speak? Now, with the nose, you have to be a little bit more careful because uh, uh, you don't want to destroy that uh, mucosal lining. Uh, so you want to do it uh, carefully, and you want to find uh, a solution that is safe uh, to use. It needs to be sterile. Uh, needs to have saline in it so it isn't so uh, disruptive uh, to the lining. Uh, but there's obvious lines of research that follow along the lines of what else might you add to that nasal rinse that could be uh, could be useful. And yet I don't think anyone is really spending a lot of time there. There's uh, uh, there's inhalers that people take, especially if you have lung disease already, you're already familiar with that. Uh, so it's obvious that uh, uh, to many that um, that some of the things that you tend to add into inhalers, uh, many of these uh, uh, many of these essential oil, um, tea tree, eucalyptus, they all are known uh, to kill uh, bacteria and viruses. Um, and uh, and so these are things that are, um, you know done according to the directions are are relatively safe uh, to uh, uh, to do uh, and uh, should not cause any uh, and, and any problems and uh, and should help. Uh, there are certain foods uh, uh, that probably help others that you want uh, you want to avoid. Uh, so for example, um, we do know that you drink a lot of alcohol. Um, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are binging it uh, while they are at home. Uh, that's Every- not going to help. <laughs> and, uh, and it probably hurt. Uh, caffeine, uh, same thing. Uh, uh, so, uh, so yeah, if you, if, you, if you were drinking a little bit uh, and having a little ca- uh, caffeine uh, before you got sick, I would make sure you avoid uh, that like the plague the minute you started to have any symptoms. Uh, it's not worth it. Uh, uh, to, uh, to do that. Uh, we, we know that, um, uh, refined carbs, uh, very bad, uh, for the immune system also tends to, uh, uh, cause you to gain weight. Um, so, uh, you, uh, so, so eating all these, uh, refined carbs, probably not a good thing. Uh, I, I would avoid that, uh, as, as much as you can. Uh, and, uh, and most people recognize immediately that you should be, Eating uh, whole foods, uh, vegetables, uh, fruits. Uh, uh, fruits in particular are very interesting because uh, while they do have fructose, uh, they also contain a lot of uh, phytonutrients uh, and uh, compounds that uh, uh, that fight viruses. Uh, in fact, one of the interesting compounds, uh, quercetin, uh, that's being looked at for uh, COVID-19 um, is probably found a lot in fruits. Um, these uh, fruits are designed, if you think about it, to uh, uh, to uh, protect themselves uh, against uh, viruses. And so uh, we were meant to eat these kinds of things, so that uh, so that we would be protected. Uh, there's some people who even think that uh, eating the right fruits uh, can help protect you from getting sunburn, uh, and there's probably some truth to that uh, uh-huh. as well. Uh, so what do you, we, we were meant to live yeah, with all these yeah. uh, things. Yeah. What do you think, Colin? Uh, maybe just have maybe uh, you know, I don't want to cut you off in here, Sarah, But you know, you know, maybe what we do is if you can go down through some of the potential, I don't want to say cures, but I, I guess we got you know there you know people are working on vaccines, people are working at you know utilizing I guess the one was it anti-malaria drug, but, you know, can you maybe take us through just what you know, Han, right now? Is it, What's coming down the pike? I mean, we know that we're going to be yeah. trying to produce better masks. We're trying to produce more ventilators. We're trying to have more testing kits, but what else is out here, there? Here's, here, here's what's kind of sad, Randy, if you, if you think about it, especially having worked in the venture capital uh, community, uh, you can immediately take a look at what we're doing up there, and we are focused on traditional drugs and vaccines. Uh, generally, drugs require long development uh, timeline. Even if you use and repurpose a drug that, like chloroquine, which is an anti-malarial uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, it takes time. Uh, 
uh, to uh, develop the data. Uh, and, uh, and if you read for any drug <coughs> uh, the, the label, uh, and while we as physicians may regard them as relatively uh, safe, um, uh, I, I can tell you uh, that the uh, therapeutic window uh, for a drug like chloroquine is not that wide. Uh, and, and in fact, I saw one tox report saying that the uh, the dose for therapy and uh, for, uh, overdose and toxicity are exceedingly close. Um, and uh, and so if you uh, if you're not careful, uh, these are dangerous. Uh, and um, and and we know this. Uh, I, I think there was an example already with uh, uh, that uh, that that people were. Uh, Going out and buying uh, chloroquine phosphate uh, used in um, uh, used in pet cleaners um, because it wasn't they couldn't find it anywhere else and you can buy pet cleaner anywhere uh, and uh, that is dangerous uh, as uh, I think there was a couple that was uh, 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 brought to the hospital and the husband passed away and the wife I think is still in. Oh, critical man. condition, uh, and they followed that recommend recommendation because it was recommended uh, or was suggested by Trump that this is a fascinating uh, direction. So, so I think you have to be very careful. Uh, those, that's the direction. Those things are taking a while. Um, even chloroquine, which is relatively cheap, could be available in the market. Um, it um, it needs to be handled with uh, uh, with, with care. Uh, I think at best. Um, uh, even if it worked and even if uh, we could get some consensus around it, it's not going to happen very quickly. Uh, I would say that it would take 30 to 60 days to get enough data maybe for people to have some smidgen of consensus. Uh, and then the drug companies, uh, the people who actually make the, uh, need to create the supply for that. Uh, that doesn't, you, you don't just turn on a spigot and have it there. It doesn't, doesn't quite work that way. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and the story isn't that much better for your average vaccine. Um, we know that an average vaccine will take a year or more sometimes to develop. Yes, you might be able, be able to fast track it, uh, something like this, but even your best vaccines, um, the average flu vaccine is, um, is probably less than 50% effective uh, for people who actually get it. Uh, and and I, I don't think people realize that. When they quote these statistics of the death rate for uh, people with the flu and that there are 30 to 40 million people that um, uh, or somewhere between 20 to 40 million people in the U.S. who get the flu and and thousands of people, I mean, like 20,000 people who die a year uh, from that. Um, uh, and I could be off on those figures, but you are talking about thousands. Um, that's the case even with taking the flu vaccine. Uh, and so uh, uh, so if this is where you are banking all your effort on uh, and counting on, then, um, then I'm sorry, I'm, I, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, that's not what, I, I would not want to put all my eggs in that basket. No, uh, right. and, uh, and, and, I, and I don't think that that's what, uh, I don't think that empowers people. Uh, to uh, to do things, uh, and yet I'm sure that if we were to conscientiously look at all these other alternatives and all these other things that people can do, that you would find uh, that um, uh, with appropriate tinkering and appropriate collection of data, that uh, uh, that they probably work as well or better. Uh, and instead of waiting for something that you think might work, that uh, that uh, will take millions of dollars to find out and that uh, several several months later you it might not even even work when you have something now that uh, that you could use now that you could actually get everybody to be working on now um it, it doesn't make a lot of sense and that's uh, uh and, and 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 that's very sad um people could be contributing uh to uh to helping us figure some of these things out uh and um uh, and there should be an organized effort to uh, to make that happen, and that was in part what we wanted to see uh, with um, the obesity diabetes effort, because it's the same process. Uh, what's good for obesity and good for diabetes also happens to be good for heart disease, also happens to be good for pulmonary disease, 
also probably good for COVID-19. Um, generally, you do something right. It's not just one disease that it helps. It helps many different things. Um, and, um, um, and that's how you tell that something is really powerful uh, when, it, uh, uh, when it crosses a lot of different, uh, uh, a lot of different areas like that. Um, but I think you wanted me to go into a little bit more specifics uh, in, in each of these areas uh, to uh, to give a little bit uh, uh, more uh, more color. Is that right? Yeah, uh, Randy, yeah, if you could. yeah, yeah. If you just okay. Could. okay. So so when we talk mm -hmm. about vitamins and minerals, uh, I don't mean to be inclusive. Uh, I think there are others that people will will think about, uh, but certainly vitamin C, uh, magnesium, uh, selenium is felt to be very important. Uh, in addition to, uh, to other factors, uh, B6 of the B vitamins, uh, considered important, uh, vitamin E, uh, vitamin D, um, and if you can do it, um, get the uh, vitamin D level, find out where you are uh, on that. And, and uh, if you can get what's called an RBC magnesium, uh, I would recommend getting it. Uh, see if you are anywhere close to the upper range. Uh, you want to be on the high side. Uh, of that, uh, because uh, normal is based off of uh, a population where 80% of us are deficient, so the normal level is not the ideal level. Um, and people need to understand that sometimes normal uh, isn't isn't actually normal. <clears throat> um, the uh, second area, fruits and vegetables. I think that goes without saying. You like to eat leafy greens. You like to eat uh, eat, eat fruits. Um, a lot of antioxidants, a lot of polyphenols there, uh, probably a lot of molecules uh, that would be uh, potentially very important. Uh, water, often missed by a lot of people. Uh, most of us don't drink enough water. Um, you know, we are, what, 80, 90 percent um, uh, you know, plus water, <laughs> and so if you, um, <laughs> you're not getting enough of that. Um, Water is the stuff of life. Your body just doesn't seem to work as well. Uh, people, people don't seem to understand that. Uh, pretty hard to drink too much water, uh, but, uh, but generally half your weight in ounces. Um, uh, take the effort. See how much you're actually drinking. Um, most of us will find that you're not actually drinking enough, uh, and, um, uh, and, and that, can, uh, that can make a big difference. Um, some of the foods that you might want to avoid, we kind of mentioned uh, this before you, you do want to avoid uh, refined carbs, um, generally felt in excess uh, to cause uh, some issues. Uh, complex carbs probably a little bit better, uh, but but in general, uh, uh, refined carbs in particular, um, uh, when you um, when you're taking table sugar, uh, cane sugar, etc., any any type of sugar, not so good uh, for the body. Um, we um, we have been recommending uh, that some people take some of the uh, artificial sweeteners, uh, but there is a suggestion by some uh, that uh, that the body doesn't exactly know how to handle those artificial sweeteners. Um, so when I uh, so for example, we were finding that uh, uh, that in uh, that in some reports, um, artificial sweeteners would raise the insulin level uh, by more than if you took a, a regular sugar. Um, and, uh, and it actually turns out that it's the insulin level, uh, not just your blood glucose, uh, that mediates the, uh, the problems commonly associated with, uh, with, with, with diabetes. Uh, so you have to be careful. Uh, so you want to stay natural. If you're going to sweeten, sweeten with something natural. Um, uh, stay away from alcohol to the extent that you can, uh, caffeine. Uh, also falls in that category. Uh, both of those are somewhat double whammies in the sense that uh, uh, if you take those close enough to when you sleep, and they all and they both tend to have long half-lives, meaning they hang around in your body much longer than you think. Um, they will reduce uh, deep sleep, the most important part of your sleep, by up to 50%. Uh, and um, deep sleep, you don't get very much of that. Uh, so. Um, uh, if, um, if, if you are the average 30, 40 year old person, uh, you're probably getting somewhere around 50 minutes of deep sleep. Uh, if you are, 
about the age of a baby, you're probably getting almost two hours. Uh, so you're getting the sense right there that there's a huge drop-off. So you, you drink caffeine, you go from 50 minutes to 25 or 20. Uh, you, you're essentially sleeping, uh, getting about as much deep sleep as someone who's 70 or 80. Uh, those are people who fall in that category that, uh, that are at very high risk. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, you don't want to do that. Uh, that may be part of the reason why those people are at risk. Is sure. They do not have the regenerative capacity. You're not getting enough deep sleep. And, um, and so uh, alcohol and caffeine will disrupt that. Uh, you might think that, well, I'm going to get that sleep later on. You know, by the time uh, uh, I get into about four or five hours of sleep, I, uh, uh, most of that caffeine will be gone. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that most of your deep sleep occurs within the first uh, uh, couple hours. It tends to occur very early. Um, there are exceptions to that, but the average person gets... 90% of their deep sleep within the first two hours. So you are, uh, if you disrupt that early part of sleep, uh, you, you've screwed your, your ability to heal. Sure. Uh, ex exercise, uh, very important. You're, you're at home. You're not uh, doing anything. Uh, find an exercise routine. Um, try to get some both um, uh, what we call anaerobic or uh, strength-building exercise, uh, as well as aerobic, where you're actually working uh, your your heart. Uh, there are lots of um, there, there are lots of videos and routines out there that you can uh, you can watch. If you just go out for a walk, uh, that that will make a big difference. Um, but uh, but we do know that people who do do a regular activity uh, will uh, will do better uh, when uh, when they do become uh, in, infected. Um, we mentioned sleep. Um, really do mean that um, the average person, uh, of course it varies by age, but you're looking at seven to nine hours of sleep. Uh, see how much you can actually sleep. Uh, and, uh, and you might be surprised that uh, uh, you don't sleep as much or that you can sleep more than you thought. Uh, but for people who uh, have trouble sleeping, learn to sleep better. And um, uh, I do have the impression uh, that the sleep that you get if you take drugs is probably not as good as the sleep that you get if you can learn to sleep uh, uh, appropriately. Uh, there's a thing called sleep hygiene, picking a regular time to sleep, uh, making sure that the lights are out, uh, avoiding what we call um, uh, blue light um, and uh, using uh, blue light filters. Um, uh, blue light actually is what you see with the sunlight, uh, interesting enough. So, uh, uh, it automatically signals that you become awake. Uh, so you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your phone. You just gave yourself a blast of blue light. Uh, and, and then you wonder why you can't go back to sleep. Well, that's why. <laughs> uh, so, so, so you want to find a way to figure out what time it is uh, without, um, uh, without blasting yourself with, uh, with, with blue light. Mm -hmm. uh, there are filters on every single phone that can be used to adjust that. Uh, easy ways to, uh, uh, to do that. Uh, the other area, uh, stress, very important. Uh, there's a lot of things that people can do uh, for stress. Um, a, a lot of uh, visualizations, a lot of uh, uh, certain types of activities, uh, meditation, uh, yoga, things of that kind, all very useful. Uh, and uh, what's fascinating now is that we actually have a lot of wearables that people can use uh, that will help determine, help you find out how stressed uh, you, you are. Uh, some of them will give you what they call a, uh, something like a body battery or how much uh, reserve you have, and that kind of gives you a sense for if you are, uh, if, if, uh, if they think based on the various parameters that you uh, you are getting enough rest, um, and uh, uh, and so uh, so that's uh, that can be very helpful. Uh, oh, and um, um, and so uh, uh, strongly recommend that uh, behavior, as we mentioned, um, really key. Uh, meditation actually falls into that as well. There are many other uh, techniques uh, uh, that uh, that are interesting. Um, uh, emotional freedom technique, uh, also called tapping. Yes, uh, there is a, <laughs> tapping. Yes, uh, heart math. Uh, uh, there are um, 
there are a lot of different uh, approaches and techniques. What you're looking for in general on these is, uh, is increase in awareness uh, so that you can understand, ah, uh, I'm upset because I keep watching Trump. So I could stop watching that, 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 that might help. Uh, or, uh, or that I keep doing something bad uh, that, that doesn't help. Uh, so awareness is a key part of it. Uh, processing. Um, uh, uh, you'll find that a lot of these tools tend to focus on how you process what you, uh, what, what you do. And what I mean by that is that uh, 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 someone gets sick uh, around you, uh, if immediately your reaction is, oh, I'm going to get sick, I just know I'm going to get sick, there's nothing I can do, that is inappropriate processing because that's not going to help you do anything. But if you're thinking, oh, someone got sick, um, I need to figure out what they did and what I can do differently, that's appropriate processing. Um, and uh, uh, that will help you get to where you want to go. And then the final act that I think of and I notice in a lot of uh, uh, behavioral therapies is, uh, uh, is some component of action. How do you get yourself to actually do it? How do I get myself to stay away from the cookies? How do I get myself to do the exercise? Um, you know, there are visualization uh, approaches, but the basic concept is, is you can't get yourself to do it, you're not going to do it. Uh, and so you have to find uh, the ability to, uh, to make that happen. Uh, positive reinforcement uh, versus negative reinforcement, uh, things of that kind. Um, it, it's, an, it's incredibly powerful uh, what those things uh, can, can do for your, sure. uh, for, for your life. Uh, there are not a lot of other medical options to think about. So if you're thinking infection has to get through your nose, that's where the nasal rinse uh, occurs. That's where wearing a mask can be, uh, uh, be helpful. That's where steam inhaler might be useful. Um, in particular, you might want to do those things right after you think you were exposed. So you, so you went out and you, and you went to Trader Joe's. Um, that's, you got home. That's when you probably want to clean that nose out because if you had some bacteria, viruses there, they're probably kind of loosely in the nose. You could probably dislodge and get rid of that really quickly uh, before it gets much further uh, in, into your body. Um, and and something like a stale, like neti pot? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I, I tend to like the, uh, uh, I, I like the neti pot. I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, if you want to add something to it, uh, I, please talk to your, to your doc, but generally, uh, uh, probably there are things that can, um, uh, can go in, but you do have to be careful because you don't want to disturb the, uh, uh, the nasal lining. Uh, and you'd like to stick to things that you've seen that people have done before uh, and, and done safely uh, uh, when you look at that. Uh, there are compounds that seem to be interesting. We mentioned uh, quercetin uh, being uh, uh, one of them. Uh, that's a supplement. A lot of people take that to, uh, uh, to reduce uh, allergic uh, symptoms. Uh, there's a product uh, that I think is very interesting called uh, BHT. Uh, I have suggested uh, to the CD and I take CDC BHD. And yeah, I take. Oh, well, really? yeah. Do I take it? No, no. We sell it. My my company's in the <laughs> in, 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 in that part BHD. But hey, Han, I apologize. We're just we're just coming up on our on our time here. We just want to. Um, I'm going to say, uh, do, you, do you have any closing thoughts here, or, or anything, or, or, or Harry, do you, have, do you have any last questions here? No, I mean, I think you really did a great job going in depth and, oh, and depth, answering. Yeah. Thank you so much, Han. I, I really, really appreciate it. And your, um, you know, that, that list that you sent out talking about how people can effectively prevent coronavirus, I feel like is absolutely spot on. I guess, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Thank you so much for being here. And um, are there any, you know, closing words that you, you, you feel like, you know, you can share words of wisdom? Sure. I, um I guess I would say to people that uh, uh, you might think that you can't do anything, but you can. Uh, you might think that all the stuff that you've heard about keeping yourself healthier isn't going to make a difference. Uh, it will make a big difference. Um, and so we can beat this, uh, but only if we take the action, we work together, and we try to help each other out. Um, so um, this is an opportunity uh, for us to do things differently. Uh, and to make ourselves healthier. And once we uh, beat we this one, 
Once we beat this one, Han, then we're going to turn it to type 2 diabetes back to, to where we were before. And, you know, beat this one and then beat another big one, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And what's nice about everything that we're talking about here is, um, sadly, um, we already know this. Uh, coronavirus has the ability to mutate. Uh, that's, how it get, uh, that's how it went from bats to civets to humans. Uh, that's how it went from humans to ultimately aerosolized transmission. Uh, that's how uh, coronavirus has persisted um, in the environment. Uh, and so you do these things, it doesn't matter which kind of coronavirus and how it mutates, uh, you will be ready. Uh, you will be able to do something. Uh, you count on a drug, um, uh, and uh, I don't know. It's, uh, uh, it may not work on the next, uh, next version or not. Uh, this, is part of the, uh, uh, this is part of the problem uh, with, uh, with many of our uh, existing approaches. But you get yourself healthier, it's going to help. Uh, no matter what uh, what virus comes at you. All right, here you are. Well, well, podcast listeners, thank you to Dr. Han Chu here for give, giving us his, his advice both on the on the COVID nineteen crisis and and, and, and uh, what are the best methods here to prevent or or to deal with it right now. And uh, uh, we'd like to thank you all. Thank you, Han, and uh, thank you, Harriet. And uh, we will we will thank talk you. to you soon. <laughs>